Aloha, everyone. Welcome to our latest episode of Disability with Malama. My name is Leland. And I'm Roxanne. Thank you so much for joining us today. Disability with Malama is AILH's podcast where we discuss all things disability in the state of Hawaii. In this episode, we meet with Walker Rousey, a board member of Hawaii LGBT Legacy Foundation. Welcome, Walker. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much, Walker. Um, what I guess our main question to start off is, what is Hawaii LGBT Legacy Foundation? Um, we started a number of years ago, uh, mainly to handle the local Honolulu Pride organization, or, or Pride event. We have since branched out into a number of other community activities, and we have launched our Pride 365. Uh, so we host um, LGBT events uh, throughout the year, um, whether they be uh, for health partnerships, um, helping to get people vaccinated, or um, we also have our monthly town halls, uh, which are great, where we have a panel discussion of rotating queer issues. Um, yeah, so uh, people should just be on the lookout for whatever events come up uh, their way from us throughout the year. And of course, Pride on October 15th, 16th. Thank you so much for that. And what exactly is your responsibility as a board, direct, uh, board member? Um, as a director on the board, I um, just oversee projects and get the grunt work of putting on all of these events for the community. We are an entire, an entirely volunteer board. Um, so all of these large events that get put on, the Rainbows Over Waikiki banners, the Pride Festival, the parade, our town halls, all of those are done completely on a volunteer basis by the other board members and I. Um, and we just, as happens in nonprofit work, we all just kind of have to get what needs to be done done. All right, great. Um, you know, I was looking at your bio on the uh, Hawaii LGBT Legacy Foundation, and I noticed that you've worked with Special Olympics Hawaii and HCAP. How is it like working with those two organizations? Oh, it was a blast. Um, they're both very different in the way they work. HCAP is a large organization that does um, a number of direct services for the clients they serve. Um, I was a teacher for that program. Um, and it was an absolutely magical experience being in the classroom with the kids, giving them the um, STEM access and opportunities that they wouldn't necessarily have had otherwise. And then Special Olympics, beautiful organization. On the surface, it is um, a sporting organization. But over the decades, they've really branched out to help facilitate a number of other services uh, to their clients, including health services, which is where um, I was focused, and uh, just general empowerment services, which is great, because we all know that um, for anyone in the disability community, whether they are directly impacted themselves or it is a or member of their family, um, that brings them um, to our doorstep. Uh, it, um, it can be quite difficult 
getting honest community engagement and feeling um, like you're a part of the broader community. Exactly. That's awesome. So just an FYI, you know, I actually sit on the board for Honolulu Community Action Program. So I know um, how much work they do for Oahu. And also my two brothers um, were actually members of the Special Olympics. So they had an opportunity. This is years ago. Um, I, in fact, my one of my eldest brothers passed away and another one who is still here, he's about 65, 66. But um, I remember oh, wow. as a child, yeah, they were part of Special Olympics and my dad my brothers flew out to Louisiana and they were able to compete, you know, in the Special Olympics over there. So I'm very familiar with both organizations. Um, I also notice on your bio that you work with Kids Hurt Too. So I know the um, former executive director, Michael Moore, he was a colleague of mine um, as a Weinberg executive director. And I, you know, he had um, walked us through your store that's down there and, and uh, we had an opportunity to visit and you know, just you know, learn a little bit more about what you're doing down there. So I think that's really great. So how did you get involved in the disability community here in Hawaii? Um, well, uh, growing up, I actually had a cousin with a developmental disability um, who uh, was, um, uh, I don't wanna say severely impacted, but um, his, uh, his life uh, was made to kind of revolve around it. Um, and the issues um, that he and his community face have always been near and dear to my heart as a result. And for me, everything is just about helping. Um, so that got me really into the field here in Hawaii. Uh, prior to this, um, I did a lot of non-communicable disease work with the um, uh, WHO and um, some other organizations over in Australia. And so when I arrived, I just kind of kept doing the helping work and the empowerment work. So um, tell us a little bit more about Honolulu Pride this year. I think it's happening on October 15th, so right around the corner. What can, what can we expect if we were to head down to Magic Island and be there on October 15th? Oh, it's going to be a blast. Um, so Magic Island is where the parade is going to kick off. Um, I believe we have about 150 floats this year. It's one of our larger parades um uh i think that's i think we have somewhere around 40 uh parades more than we initially planned which is fantastic uh we love that uh we love that so many organizations and companies throughout the state really want to participate and showcase their own um adoration and support for our community uh, so that'll that'll start in the morning, and then the parade ends over at Kapiolani Park, and we will segue from there into the festival, which will be a mostly all-day event um, around the Waikiki Shell, um, and uh, that will have uh, vendors, uh, live music, live entertainment. We've flown over some um, amazing headliners from the mainland, as well as found some phenomenal performers locally, all to participate. Um, 
and uh, it's it's going to be something that if you've been to uh, Pride, say on the mainland or in another large city or capital city, it'll be slightly different than what you're expecting. Um, our events tend to be more in quotes family friendly than other um, prides that people may think of or may come to mind. Um, it's not a Folsom Street Fair kind of event. It's not San Francisco or New York. Um, uh, but yeah, thanks to that, we are also then able to uh, have a different type of atmosphere than other prides necessarily would. And that actually um, will segue quite nicely into our uh, work on inclusion. Um, there are a lot of barriers to access for individuals with disabilities and their families. Um, and just the practicality of those uh, larger um, prides like you see on the mainland can be a barrier to access. Um, both uh, logistically or, or physically just due to actual access and then the environment itself. Uh, but we're working very hard to make it a safe event for absolutely everybody. I'm telling you, we're so excited because we are gonna participate yet again, um, um, representing the disability community. So do you think, because I know in 2019, it was probably your largest Pride Parade that has happened in Hawaii. I, I think that's what they were saying. I have, have the responses for registrants for uh, participating in the parade been as uh, plentiful as, it, as you guys had seen in 2019? Oh gosh, more so. Um, I think that in some ways COVID was a bit of a blessing in disguise for us. Um, people are ready to do things again. People are ready to go back. Um, and after two years off, all of these organizations just um, have really jumped on it with a lot of love and enthusiasm. I also think that the political atmosphere is exceptionally different from the one that we were facing in 2019. Um, I think a lot of people feel like, or see now that their participation is not necessarily just a fun, cool thing that they can do on a weekend with work or with whatever organization, but that um, these uh, statements of support that they have through participating and partnering up with us actually have long reaching impact. Um, uh, it's, we're at a time now where it's exceptionally important that all of us in our society do everything we can to show our support for and championing of uh, various minority communities. There are a lot of people under attack at the moment. So how, um, what was the beginnings of Honolulu Pride? How did it end up growing into the event that it is today? Oh, um, well, it was started by a group of friends who really, who really wanted to make a consolidated um, event, a consolidated um, a single pride event for Hawaii, like other cities have. And that small group of friends was able to grow it over the years into this organization that we have now through uh, longstanding corporate partnerships with some of our amazing sponsors um to just the broader community awareness that it's a thing that actually happens um as many of you may realize the national pride month is in june and our pride festivities are in october 
Um, so uh, they're really occupying a niche that it's while it's great for visitors and everything, um, they can come here. They we don't have to compete against other large cities for um, people's attention. It also means that the board had to the original board had to do a lot of work branding wise, getting the public to know like, nope, this is us. It's a it's an October. Um, and they, they had that original vision and just wanting to um, help the community at the time, they were advocating heavily for gay marriage. Um, and so after that came in, um, the uh, focus pivoted a bit and it's definitely um, transformed into more of a celebration than it was. Not that it wasn't a celebration, but um, uh, we're attacking different issues now. And part of that just means um, taking the time to appreciate what we do already have as well. Okay, so one final question before we end. How can we as regular citizens continue to support the queer community, but also the queer disability community? Um, that is, that's a million dollar question and an exceptionally important one. Um, I think before we can even begin to address what we as um, the quote uh, regular or average citizen um, do, we need to really have the conversation about self-identity and agency. Um, in the disability community, we often discuss um, our um, clients or our um, uh, or the community's agency or ability to live their own lives, make their own decisions, be empowered. Um, and a core part of that is having their um, own self-identity, not one that's necessarily just handed to them. And you cannot have any sense of agency in yourself, um, of yourself, without having the capacity and the uh, latitude to explore your own self-identity and find it out. Um, so as far as trying to support that community within the queer community, the most important thing anyone can do is remember that um, everyone, regardless of ability level, regardless of what conditions they may or may not live with, um, has their own self-identity. They have their own um, uh, sexuality journey. They have all of these things that we tend to write off and tend to think of as something that is not associated with the disability community, especially for those individuals um, that are severely either uh, physically impaired or uh, suffering from developmental disabilities. We often infantilize that entire um, segment of the population. We often do not even associate anything sex or gender related with that type of the population. Um, one of the evils of having everybody uh, in or having individuals in the disability community defined by their disability is that it locks away all these other uh, portions of their self-identity that are core to who they are. They really are. Um, when someone has a, a disability and is also queer, um, they have enough problem as it is, uh, not enough, they have enough issue as it is uh, already 
combating their uh, disability and living with that in a society that is not necessarily built for them in um, a world that has not been designed to accommodate their needs. And uh, throwing in another minority identity, um, whether it be race or, or sexuality or uh, religion makes it infinitely more difficult for them. And then if one of those identities like sexuality or gender identity um, is also something that's then stigmatized or they're removed from, uh, that uh, can often lead them or their caregivers to just completely neglect that part of themselves, lock them out of it. Um, we know that a number of people in our society turn heavily toward religion. And this is often the case in disability communities as well. And um, that's completely understandable. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful support network. But the double edge of that is sometimes those um, codexes of belief can lead the caregivers or family members or the individuals themselves to not allow for the moral consideration of their own self-identity. They can't explore themselves. And as a result of that, they can never really be truly empowered. You know, you cannot uh, be yourself if you do not know yourself. Uh, but yeah, back to the question. Um, the number one thing any of us can actually do is openly and proudly support both communities vocally. Um, and that doesn't just mean standing up when something is wrong. That means actively throughout your day, going out of your way to be sure that those around you um, in either member of the community um, feel actively included and that they are welcome. There's a big difference between acceptance and welcoming. Um, I think that we have all lived through some version of that. Uh, and we need to work as hard as we possibly can to be sure that everyone is welcome, not just accepted. I think that's such an important distinction. So Walker, thank you so much for ending this episode on such a very strong and poignant note. Um, thank you again for joining us today. And I want to remind everybody who's listening that Honolulu Pride is back this year with the Pride Parade on October 15th, starting at Magic Island at 10 a.m. And then the Honolulu Pride Festival right after at the Waikiki Shell and Diamond Head Greens. So be sure to check it out. For more information, we will provide the links to social media and website in our description. Again, my name is Leland. And I'm Roxanne. And we will see you guys next time. Aloha. Aloha.